Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Uh, We serve a lot of many different ways in Guatemala. One of the ways is that we do a lot of building. Uh, We do a lot of feeding. We fed the village, you know, we made cookies, uh, which a lot of people will tell you that they don't want to work with me whenever I'm cooking uh, because I'm commando. Uh, (laughs) But uh, one, one of the other ways that we've been working and serving in Guatemala is by school. Uh, you know, you guys have been so generous in helping us send kids to school. Well, this is Magalie. Magalie last year could not afford to go to high school. And so we paid for her to go to high school. And uh, she was so proud that she came and showed us her report card. It was all A's. You think you have no more body fluids left in you, but when she showed us her report card and how proud she was, we all cried. It was just like a floodgate. But uh, this is one of the things that God's really led us, or led me. Uh, We had an interpreter that we, uh, five years ago, that came and visited us just because he knew we were in Santa Decilia. And he teaches English in the universities. And he has said that he would help us teach the village English because people like me that are 62, uh, it's really hard to learn English and you just don't remember it. And so I just want to say, in order to be a leader, you have to learn how to serve. And I'm going to read some scripture. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Now by the time of supper, the devil had already put in the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything in his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his robe, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and then dry them with a towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterwards you will know. You will never wash my feet ever, Peter said. Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. 
Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except for his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, you are not all clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe, he reclined again and he said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You called me teacher and Lord. This is well said, for I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So as you can tell, there's a lot that went on the past 10 days. Uh, today's scripture is in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 3, read to the end. <clears throat> All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, which are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above the ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. 
and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. First Timothy 2 1 says, First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Um, we had a lot of sweet times of prayer on this trip, um, and I just wanted to share a few of those with y'all. The first one was, so in the video you kind of saw us going to the houses and praying, but we got to go to each house in the village um, and just talk to the families and uh, find out what their prayer requests were, and um, most of them were just for health and work for their families, and a few of them um, asked us to pray that God would keep sending us there. Um, and so that was just sweet and just a good chance to get to know the community and the village even better than we did before. Um, and then the second one, our translator that was with us this year, um, he was an awesome translator and loved the Lord. And uh, the last day we were there, his wife came to the village because they've been trying for a baby for a while and they've done treatments, but it's been unsuccessful. And so uh, she came and they asked if we would pray for them, um, that God would just allow them to have a child. And so we all went into a room in the school in the village, and um, we asked for all of our group to come in, and no one in the village understood what we were saying because they don't speak English. Um, And then all of a sudden, all the kids and the women from the village just started coming into the room, and the room was full, and uh, we just started praying, and Davis was translating some of the things, but kind of got to a point where he couldn't translate anymore. Um, But all of a sudden, you just hear the women behind us uh, praying for uh, his wife, Gloria, to have a child. And it was just really sweet to hear um, our group praying in English and then these women praying behind us in Spanish for a woman that they didn't even know. Um, And then afterwards, just to see them come up and encourage her and speak to her was just really sweet. Um, And then as soon as we started to leave, it was the same day, we were all kind of gathered around praying or saying our goodbyes. And one of the ladies from the village who always loves to pray for us came up and asked if she could pray for our group before we left. And she says the most powerful prayers that you will ever hear. And um, so, of course, we told her that she could pray for us. And all the kids and the parents were all standing around And again, as she started praying, we just started hearing the women from the village behind us also praying for us. Um, And it was just a really sweet reminder of how much they love us and how they think of us as family and just the way that they bless us as we're going there to just try to help their community. Um, It's just become more like a family, and it was just a really great picture of that for me. A little bit about the soccer tournament. Um, for the, you guys that know Brandy and myself, um, in the past 10 or so years, we've done a lot of BMX and skateboard outreach ministry stuff throughout this area. <clears throat> so our thought was in Guatemala, their, their interest is soccer, football. Uh, so we decided to help the church do outreach, and we started this last year. So Sunday after church... Um, we, we go out to the field and we just start watering the field down the best we can with what we have just to kill the dust. As you see in the video, it didn't work very well. Um, 
my Gamaliel, who was doing the announcing last year, was just cutting up announcing. I said, next year, if I can get some sound equipment, will you announce the whole tournament? And he said, yeah. And he, he every now and then you hear him say something about the tornadoes going down the field or something. And um, it was funny. But he did an awesome job just uh, announcing the tournament for little kids and for the adults. Um, just just allowing him to use his gift um, to to relate and, and have an um, investment in what we were doing there in that village. Um, and the kids loved it this year. We decided to give the trophies to the kids. They had no idea because we normally do the do the older the college age to adults. We do the trophies and give them you know prizes and drinks and stuff. And we did it for the kids this year, and they they were really tickled with that and Axel who's kind of I guess the the lead uh, football player for the village he said can I give the trophies out to the kids and I was like yeah I thought that was really awesome but just to be able to have the community to come together to do this tournament the village Brandy and um, some of them go around we buy uh, all the hot dogs which are about this big the Comsol Chichas and have the women cook the uh, hot dogs and make tortillas for the whole village. So then there again, um, they are investing back in their own village through this outreach project. And just seeing the whole village come together just for this day of just fun. and um, it's, it's really cool. And then every opportunity you can, you try to share the gospel in some way. So right before we gave away the trophies, I just shared the gospel with mainly it was just the guys there that played. But everybody was around the guys were just really listening about um, how God has a purpose for all of us, that we're created for Him, to have that relationship with Him, and that no matter what, what you've been through, um, what, what somebody may have done to you, your education status, whatever, God can use you, and He wants to use you. He wants a relationship with you. So that was, that was kind of the, the message that I gave them that day, just of encouragement. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about the relationships that we get to build with the people um, in Guatemala. And if I went through the whole list of everybody that we knew and everybody we bonded with, we would be here all day. So I'm just going to talk about a few. Um, But everyone on this stage who has been more than once knows that after that first time, when you go back for your second time, you're always really excited to go back, but you're also really nervous because sometimes you never know what you're going to find or who you will find. Um, And so there's two little boys that I met on my second trip to Guatemala, which would have been probably six or seven years ago. Um, And then once I got to go back for a longer time, I got to spend a lot more time with them and really build relationships with them. But their name is William and Lester. Um, And then Tanner, my nephew, also got to go with me uh, one summer. And so that summer, we just got to bond with them, really build relationships with them and everything. And so this time when I went back, I was a little bit nervous because I hadn't been back for two years. I'd gotten married, didn't have the money to go, all kinds of stuff. So I was like, are they going to remember me? I really hope so because I'd be really sad if they didn't. And so I showed up, and as soon as they saw me, they came running. um, And they're, like, growing like crazy. They're 12 and 13 years old now. And they run up to me, and they knew exactly who I was immediately. And um, they even asked about my nephew. When my nephew's down there, his name is Tanner, but everybody calls him Taco Gordo. 
because that's just what he likes to be called. Um, but they knew exactly, like, who I was. They asked about him. And when they asked about him, they said, is he here? And I said, no. I said, he's working. And they said, well, what does he do? And it was really funny because he's actually a model, um, but I didn't know how to say that word, so I had to call him the pretty boy that takes pictures. Um, but they loved that. They thought that was really funny, and they, they said to say hello to Taco Gordo. Um, but it's just so good to go back and see these faces that you know and they know you. And they come to you and they say, please don't ever leave. Um, and it just breaks your heart. But that's how you know that you've really fallen in love with them is because you hurt for them. You hurt to have to leave them. It would be like having to leave one of your best friends for an entire year at a time and hopefully being able to go back the next year and hoping that they were in the same place. Um, but then on that last night, whenever I went down to say goodbye and like give them some toys and stuff like that, um, William, the little boy, he said, don't worry about it. He said, I'll see you next year in July. So that was really great that he did that. Um, and then there's another man, his name is Eddie, and he was one of the construction workers. Uh, the last summer I got to stay, I got to travel around with different groups doing construction but I got to work with Eddie a lot. Now, Eddie mumbles a lot. My Spanish is very limited. His English does not exist. Um, and he mumbles so bad. So it's so hard to communicate with him. But as soon as he saw me walking through the village one day at Hope of Life, he saw me and he gave me a hug. And he was like, how are you? Um, and nobody can say my name there because it always, my name is Jill and it always comes out Joe. And so everyone calls me Julia. Um, and he knew my name immediately. He asked me how I was doing. And then whenever we got to the work site, you could tell that he was really excited to get to work with us because he had worked with us before. And he say, he told other people, he was like, these are hard workers. So just to be able to build relationships like that with people and leave and feel heartbroken about it, it's hard. But that's how you know that you've been doing something right and you've actually fallen in love with the people there. Matthew twenty five thirty five. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Um, before we even left, we knew that we were going to visit each family and um, give food and pray and visit and, and just build the relationship. Um, what totally overwhelmed me, though, was that they at different points ministered to us also. It was so hot and we were building, you know, working on the house and uh, they, they would bring us drinks. Uh, they brought us freshly sliced pineapple. They brought us the best corn on the cob ever. Um, and when we would visit home to home and, and take the food, then they would invite us in and want us to be comfortable and um, pray with us and pray for us and and so they ministered to us and I got a blessing from that I just kept thinking of this verse every every time we went to a home because it was like it was so, so real we were living it I don't know what you're pointing at. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, a verse that struck me during this trip, and I've just, it's always been one of my favorite verses, is First Peter 1, 6 through 8. It says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We'll read this straight from the paper, so I stop crying. Um, when we choose Christ, he is in us, living in us. He loves us, and he wants what's best for us. It is such an honor to be his child. The joy and the hope of Christ is in these trips. He is, he is present. He is working, and it is evident. It's obvious as soon as we pull up and see the smiles on the kids' faces. Um, if any of you ever get a chance to go on a mission trip, whether it's short or long, near or far, and you feel God tugging you, you need to go because he's not going to stop tugging until you do. Um, and it will just change your whole world. Um, and he'll provide. This is the fourth time that Corey and I were able to go, and Cameron's gone this twice, and we don't have the money. Um, God takes care of it every time. Um, the founder of Hope of Life said one night, I've never heard a loud voice from God. That would scare me to death. He said, enough is the Bible. Enough is a hungry child. Enough is a baby crying. When we're burdened in this way, Jesus will work in us to be a part of something amazing, and that is his great commission. It's in Guatemala. It's next door. It's in Granite Falls. It's everywhere. Um, it's just in smiling to someone, waving, asking someone how they are. And when they say fine, say no. How are you really? Just getting to know people. Um, we're all missionaries. Uh, we all hurt and we all need the same Savior. Okay. And um, going off of what she just said, um, there's a verse in Philippians. It's chapter 2. Uh, starts at five. It says, "Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature a God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking to the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name." Uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so while we were there I was doing my own devotional that I had been doing for a couple days that I would started like the week before we left along with the devotional that Brandy gave us. And one of the days that we were there, we were working really hard on the house the day before, and we knew that the next day we needed to work really hard if we wanted to get the house finished. And we got there, and we didn't have all the construction crew that we thought we were going to have. But it reminded me of this devotional that I had just done, and it says, Nobody was above getting their hands dirty, not the priests, nor those in business, not the women who wanted to help out, not the men who oversaw town matters, nor others whose titles did not get mentioned. Some, having done first stints, signed up for additional jobs. This really spoke to me because we were all working. It didn't matter how old you were or how young you were or 
what you thought you could help with because there was something for all of us to be doing that day. And whether it was like playing with the kids to keep them from like messing in the work site or the kids themselves like putting on work clothes and coming and sifting sand so we didn't have to work as hard to sift all the sand. And it reminded me of the first, um, the first Bible verse we did in the Bible study that Brandy gave us. And it's Matthew 10, 40 through 42. And this is the message version. And it says, we are intimately linked in the harvest work. Anyone who accepts that what you do accepts me. The one who sent you, anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being a messenger of uh, being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is larger work I've called you into, but do not be overwhelmed by it. It is best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The small act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose on anything. This really spoke to me that day because we were all working really hard to get the house finished, and we might not have finished the house completely, but we still got a lot more done than we could have done on our own because we had God behind us pushing us to get what we got done finished and he brought two people to Christ while we were there so okay so um hi (laughs) there's a lot more people here than there were in first service but um so prior to before leaving for Guatemala, I experienced extreme anxiety. Just thinking about the flight scared me. Like, I sat over here and cried one day looking at the suitcases up here because I was like, there's a lot of weight on that plane, including myself, and I'm going to fly. And then I was like, well, I'm on the airplane, and I get there, and I'm there, and I'm like, you know, I know about three words of Spanish. They're all food words. I did not pay attention in high school Spanish. Didn't help very much anyways, just saying. So it just, like, I was terrified, and I got to the village, and I was like, I'm not ready for this. I was like, and I can't fly home by myself. I can't drive myself home, and I definitely couldn't walk. So I was like, okay, I'm stuck here. I was like, what am I going to do? I just felt extreme doubt. So um, a verse that really great gave me peace and strength is um, 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 12, and it's command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity. So a big part of what I experienced on the trip was working with the youth in the village. And God really used all the youth here to work with them specifically. Like you watch the video and all you see is you see one of us and you see about five kids. And they will not let go of you. They followed me to the bathroom once. And I was like, okay, guys, this is my space. But um, It was just really cool to see how they copied every single thing we did. And that was a big part of being an example to them just in how we acted. When we went and prayed for the families, they saw us bow our heads, they saw us close our eyes, and they did the same thing. When they saw us working hard, they came and helped just because they wanted to be with us. And then um, the high of my trip, though, was there was a girl in the village named Nati. She was kind of mean at first. She threw rocks at me, and I was kind of scared of her. But she would not, like... She followed me everywhere, and I was like, I don't know if you're planning my death or if you're just trying to be my friend, but I'll give you a chance. So um, one day, Pastor Lynn and Jill and Brad had talked to her about accepting Christ, and she kept saying, later, later. So one day, we were in the village, and our translator and Lynn came up to her, and I was like, is it now? And she said yes, and that she wanted to accept Christ. 
And I got to experience that with her, and it was the most beautiful thing because it was so... It was so pure, and she, like, the moment she opened her eyes from that, you could tell she was changed. She bawled, and she went, and she was so excited to tell the rest of everyone, and she was crying, and I got to speak with her mom as well, and I know three words of Spanish, and I couldn't find the translator, so I had this cool little app, and she would type in her Spanish, and it translate it back to me, and she said that she didn't go to church because God didn't love her because she failed, and I got to tell her that God loves me, and I mess up all the time. I promise I'm not a bad, bad person, but we all fail. And I explained that to her, and she just thought it was so cool. And then before we left, she promised to go to church on Sunday, so she better be there right now. She pinky swore. She even stamped it. So it was just really cool how God used the youth. And then Shannon gave me a cool little note card to read. So this is from Shannon. It says, I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And then it's a scripture and says, he must become greater, I must become less. John 3.30. Thanks. Okay, uh, to begin with, I I learned while I was gone that um, I provided some comic relief for you guys last week. Uh, When I did the announcement about the next sermon series that we're going to start, and I had the uh, the hat on and the gloves on. Uh, So uh, I've got some comic relief for you today. I'm wearing this shirt. Uh, lady in the village uh, made it. The teacher in the village made it, and I gave it to me. My wife said, you're not going to ride that, uh, wear that on the motorcycle already today. And I said, sure, I will. I just covered it up with a motorcycle jacket on the way down the road. It won't look too weird uh, coming down the road on the motorcycle. But uh, the, um, the, the baptism that, uh, that you saw take place, uh, Kim had talked to me while we were walking the village. And, uh, of course, she already knew Christ as her Savior. But she had um, been sprinkled as a child and had never been biblically baptized on the other side of uh, her salvation. So she talked to me about that and uh, said that she'd like to be baptized while we were down there. Uh, so that's why we went down to the river and uh, we talked to everyone about that. And then uh, Brad baptized her. Uh, and, and then Brad uh, looked at me uh, afterwards and he said, well, I'm not really being baptized on the other side of me really believe in also uh so uh that uh, um wasn't ready for that when he told me but i said well let's you know let's let the uh, uh brandy baptize you uh, i think she laid him up quicker than he anticipated uh while uh she was doing it and uh, i wanted to get baptized just like someone would if they go to the jordan river or whatever i thought we we're at the uh, river here in guatemala and i'd like to get baptized while we're uh down there uh, just to uh, just kind of commemorate what Christ had done uh, for me in my life and for what we were doing there. Um, you heard the, uh, the, the story a, a moment ago about uh, Nadi. First of all, I don't know if we've m- mentioned this, but the village of Santa Cecilia, where we did most of the work, where we were building the house. Uh, we did go to uh, another village one day to kind of uh, inspect about possible uh, future relationships and work there. Uh, they loaded us up in the back of uh, two trucks, and I think we went, was it 2,000, 3,000 feet uh, in just a matter of a few miles going up the, in a pickup truck like this and coming back down. And you can smell the brakes on the way back down. And I think I was praying more in the back of the pickup than I was in the airplane uh, when we came into Guatemala to, uh, to, to land. Uh, but uh, man, it's beautiful up there uh, where they took us and uh, had the chance, the, they had the chance to do a vacation Bible school with some of the kids and, and to meet some people uh, there. Uh, Nadi that she had uh, mentioned uh, came up to, to Jill 
uh, one of the first days we were there in the village and was looking at uh, Jill's tattoo. And that kind of led to using the tattoo that she has uh, to start to witness to her. And uh, um, they um, wanted me to sit down. Brad was there. The interpreter, Davey, uh, was there. There was mentioned earlier. He was a great interpreter that was with us. Um, and we uh, started to share with her uh, about Christ. And I was kind of from using uh, my tattoo uh, also and, and some other verses. And at one point in time, I thought about taking some elements of the message that I was going to preach on, on Sunday because I had the chance to preach in the, uh, in, the, in the church that was built there a few years ago uh, in, in memory of Josh, and that was great for us to go and see that uh, and for Shannon and Carlos to be there at the same time I was to see it the first time and to get a chance to preach. Uh, I was going to preach the second plague in Genesis uh, in Egypt about the frogs. <clears throat> and... Um, I was sitting there, and we were talking to Naughty, and, uh, and I happened to look down, and I saw a mummified frog. I don't know how long I've been dead, how long I've been in the dried sun, but it was right there in front of me, and I thought, well, that has to be some sign. I need to go ahead and talk about it. So I, I did, because she had kind of said, well, later. Uh, now, I don't want to say a lot about this, because in two weeks, I'll preach that text, because we're going to do a series on those plagues. Uh, and I just don't understand if you've got a house full of frogs, bed full of frogs, oven full of frogs, why you'd say tomorrow, you know, when you're asked when to pray to get rid of the frogs instead of saying, do it now, you know. So, uh, but, but anyway, she, she kind of said later, so I talked to her about it and didn't want her to feel pressured at all. Uh, and I took the frog and hid it in the church uh, to use Sunday for the message. So um, I'm, I'm preaching the message on that day at the point in time I'm emphasizing get rid of the frogs now. I step over to a window uh, inside the church that uh, had little louver windows and it was turned open. I threw it and by the time I threw it, I, I remembered uh, that there was a lean-to built around that window. I didn't know uh, that someone had a bed in there, but I threw it on someone's bed uh, while, uh, while, I was doing the, uh, while I was doing the message. Um, but it was... Uh, uh, our last day there, that um, Brittany had asked me to go and talk to Nadi's uh, mother because of what she said about not feeling worthy really to go to church. So myself and the interpreter had been to the home and talked to her. And then uh, we were walking back through the village and bumped into Brittany and, and, and Nadi. And I thought, well, you know, it's the last day. Uh, so I went up and said, you said later. And, and I said, now is later. And we talked to her some more, and the interpreter was talking to her for me. And she said she wanted to pray then, and as you heard a moment ago. Uh, and you could tell when she prayed that she meant it. I mean, she prayed out loud following the interpreter, uh, what I was saying. Uh, and then she went and told all the rest of our group that was over the construction side of the house uh, and cried when she was telling uh, that story. Uh, William, not to confuse things because Jill mentioned a, another William, which was a little boy, but William was also the uh, man we were building the home for. It was for uh, he and his wife and two children. Now, when you talk about building a home, you don't really have a good concept of that here uh, because the, the, the total home was about 20 by 20, uh, and that was two bedrooms, uh, a, a, an open living room, and a kitchen area that would be there. Uh, uh, and, and, that's a large, and that's a larger house than normal for there. It would be less than the size of our connection area uh, out there. So we don't have a good concept of the environment that they live in. We, Actually, if you walked in the office, 
the two rooms, like Daryl's office and Lynn's office, that's about the size of the house, and that's two adults, two kids. Yeah. And um, we also went to the dump one day. Uh, we thought we'd be involved in a feeding other groups for us, so we did other things and, and handed out water bottles and uh, played with some of the kids there. And there's a village uh, just beyond the dump, but there's also people that live right in the dump uh, in lean-tos and cardboard and, uh, and things like that uh, and live there and go sorting through the through the dump and breaking glass bottles in order to sell the glass and uh, and, and things. So you just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell you we're spoiled beyond our, our own imagination uh, here in America. But uh, on the last day, I had already told Brad that I wanted to talk to William that we were building the home for because we had all the elements there necessary for a little uh, object lesson I wanted to teach uh, him. And there was a mound of sand there, and I took a block and put the block on the sand uh, as it represented the house. And I was sharing with him the story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 7 about two men. Uh, One built his house on the sand, and a storm came, and it was washed away. And one built his house on the rock, and a storm came, and the house stood. So I put the block on the hill of sand, I poured a bucket of water on it, and it comes tumbling down the hill of sand. And then I put the same block uh, on a foundational rock and poured a bucket of water on it, and and it stayed stable. And so we had built, and he was there helping do it, William was. So he saw us dig the footings in very hard ground, uh, you know, by hand. And we were mixing the concrete uh, by hand and carrying over buckets and pouring it into the the footings. Uh, And I told him we did that so your house would have a good foundation. But then I went from there to tell him how he and his wife and his children needed to have a good foundation in their life. And I I equated to him, the one that built his house in the sand, Jesus said, that's someone that hears my words, but he doesn't do them. He doesn't listen to what I say. And the one that built his house on the rock is a person that hears the words of Jesus and and actually does them. So I I did that little demonstration, and we were talking to him some, and Brad was sharing with him uh, also. Yeah. Um, he shared that story and kind of asked William, you know, have you ever, is this a decision you want to make? And he, he just kind of, kind of like nodding, you know, not right now. And, and I'd already been talking to William earlier that day because <clears throat> we didn't get the house finished. We, we had some complications and, um, uh, I just, I just told him I was, I was sad. I was really sorry that we didn't get it finished, but, um, Gustavo who waved at the camera in the video, he told me, he said, I'll help make sure the house gets finished for you. Anyway, I told, told him I was, you know, sad it get done. And so after Lynn shared with him, I just reminded him, I said, you remember when I told you that I was sad? And he said, yeah. And um, I'm just sharing this to you guys to know that I can't quote scripture, but I can use this example to share Christ. So I said, the reason I'm sad is because I feel like any time I do a project, I have to finish it. Because every time God starts a project, he finishes it. And I said, I'm sad because I can't finish this project. I said, but God finishes everything he starts. And I said, God has started something in you. He wants that relationship with you. He has a purpose for you. And he will not quit until that purpose is fulfilled. And he has a work to do in you. And um, I said, you know, you need to consider that. God will never quit until he's done. And then Davey, our interpreter, as he said, I'm going to ask him one more time. 
And he said, do you want to accept Christ in your life? And then just with enthusiasm, he says, bien, bien. And um, it was just amazing to see the, the transformation of his attitude um, to, to come to know the Lord. And, and it was just, it wasn't nothing Lynn did or I did or David did. It was a group effort from everybody. You know, if at that point I was like, well, Lynn shared and I've shared. If he doesn't have it by now, he's not going to. But Davey had went a step further. And um, I just share that to tell you, you know, you see, there's people who say, I can't, I can't share Christ. Well, all I did was talk about a house that was unfinished um, to help him understand what Christ can do for him. And, uh, and he has some excuses people use here. He, he said, I work all the time, so I don't know if I can, you know, that's one reason he'd been resistant about trying to trust in Christ because he didn't think he'd have time to do anything for him. Well, the Bible says whatever we do, we're doing it unto the Lord. So, I mean, he could go to work in the job that he did in his mind. If he would do it as though he's doing it to the Lord, he's still serving the Lord. And he thought, well, I can't go to church like I need to because of my schedule. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. If you, if you come here on Sundays thinking that makes you a Christian because you walk in the door of the church, you severely missed it because that doesn't make you a Christian. You know, you, you, it's good to come to church because you are a Christian, but what makes you a Christian is admitting you're a sinner and you can't save yourself and trusting completely and totally in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And, uh, and that's what he came to the point that, that he did there. Uh, and, and he prayed, and then we started talking to him about how to grow as a Christian because we wouldn't be there with him. They needed to read his Bible. He needed to pray. He needed to get someone to baptize him uh, to make it public. And they said he didn't have a Bible, and Brad went over and uh, got this uh, uh, Bible. I don't know how Brad had it. It had layers of duct tape kind of keeping it together. But it was one that had Spanish and English in it, and he gave him his uh, a Bible uh, there before we left. So we didn't get to, quote, finish the house. But, you see, I, I, I don't necessarily think that was a real project that we went for. I think God had us to finish what we went to do. And, uh, and I ask you to pray for, uh, for, for William and for Nadi and the other people there, uh, that, that God will just continue and use the ministry that's taking place. Now, with all that being said, we're going to have an invitation. And my challenge to you would be the same thing that, that I gave to William there. Uh, because if you don't know Christ as your Savior and you've been trying to build your life on other stuff in this world, it's just going to be like shifting sand. It won't stand when the storms of life hit. All of us will face storms in life. And if you're going to have the foundation you need to make it through it, you can't be building your house on anything other than Jesus. You, you need to be sure that by faith you've trusted Christ as your Savior. By faith, you know that he's your foundation. You can see Jesus is the rock. He's the one we're going to build our lives upon. And if you don't know him as Savior, I challenge you today during the invitation that you would trust in him. If you already know him as Savior, even though you're a Christian, we can still develop the tendency to hear him and not listen, to hear him and not do what he tells us to do. So that may be where you are this morning as a Christian. You hear Jesus say things, but you're not applying them to your life. You hear the Bible, you hear sermons, you hear Bible studies and things like that, but you're not applying them to your life. Jesus said that if you're going to build your house on the rock, you have to be the one that hears his words and does his words. And if you need to come this morning and pray and kneel and say, God, help me to be more upon the rock and not upon the sand in your life, then we invite you to come. Father, 
We thank you for being with us through the trip, for keeping us safe, for bringing us back. Help us to understand that we're still on a mission trip just because we're back home. You still have a mission for us and a journey for us, not just the ones that went on this trip, but for all of us. Lord, if there's anyone in this place that does not know Christ as Savior, I pray you help them right now to evaluate where they're building their life and help them to have the faith they need to change from sand to the rock that is Jesus, that they will base their life upon the rock that is Jesus. Father, for us as believers, if maybe we've developed a pattern in our life of hearing but not really doing, change that about us and help us to be listening to your word and applying your word to our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We just stand and God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.